Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney, the host of How They Love Mary. Many of you know of my great love for sock religious. During the month of January, on January 28th, we celebrate the memorial of St. Thomas Aquinas, who is one of the greatest thinkers in all of Catholicism. He gave us a multi-volume Summa Theologiae, which has been used by academic theologians for years. He gave us the five proofs of God's existence. He wrote the hymns for Corpus Christi. And now you can honor St. Thomas Aquinas on your feet, because sock religious have a wonderful sock of St. Thomas Aquinas. On the bottom of the foot, it says, Non nisi te domine. Nothing but you, Lord, recalling that prayerful moment St. Thomas Aquinas had before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. I hope you'll head over to Sock Religious by using the link in the show notes and get your pair of St. Thomas Aquinas socks so you can celebrate his feast day in style. Now on with today's show. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. One of the ways people fall in love with the Blessed Mother is by reading books. I've written some books about Mary myself, and then consumers read those books, interested parties and devotees of Our Lady. Of course, there are a lot of other genres people can read in theology and also in secular writing as well. One person that I have become familiar with over the years as an author is Stephen McAvoy, who has reviewed many of my books and also books of my fellow Catholic authors. He has a website where he reviews these books, publishes them. He's very good about tagging the authors. And I'm very interested, you know, I see how much he reads and I wanted to know the secrets behind reading more in the new year, in 2022. And so I thought I'd ask Stephen to come on How They Love Mary and give us those tips so that we might be able to read more, to read scripture, to read other books, to read devotionals, to read literature. So thanks so much for joining me today. It's great to be here. And maybe the first thing is, how did you fall in love with reading? For me, um, it was a world that I never knew existed. Uh, I have a dual form of dyslexia. It was diagnosed uh, after I repeated grade one. Uh, in grade two, um, the teacher pushed and pushed for me to be tested. So they found that I had this dyslexia. And um, I came out of grade seven reading at a grade three level. And I went into grade eight reading at a university level. And I went from reading about 30 words a minute to about 400 words a minute that summer. Um, my parents sent me to a private summer school. It was eight hours a day, all summer long. And basically they taught you to read and they taught you in a sense, speed reading. Would that be the right? Um, not by today's standards, would it be considered speed reading? Speed reading today is actually considered 500 to 1500 words a minute. Uh, but 400 words a minute is about the average um, rate that a, a grad student reads at. How many books did you read last year? Let's say 2020, or maybe we could say how many books have you read so far in 2021? Uh, in 2021, so far, I've read uh, 343 books. I'm about 10 books. I had a book a day. 
Uh, last year, I read 385 books. And for people who are listening, this will release at the end of December. Today is November 30th as we record this. He has more time to read books in the month ahead as we close out the year of 2021. My question then, if you're reading almost a book a day, how do you find the time to read so much? Um, Part of it is being intentional. Uh, I removed all games from my phones and tablets several years ago, and my reading doubled immediately. Um, And then the year after that, I um, started commuting to work uh, on a a, a walk, a 20-minute walk, and then a a bus ride. And I started using adaptive technology to listen to books while walking and then reading while on the bus. Um, I also do not read or watch a lot of TV. I binge watch almost nothing, and there are very few shows that I follow. I watch hockey on Saturday nights, but other than that, I don't really sit in front of the TV much. Well, that's interesting. That's probably my downfall. I love watching television shows. You know, I have all the subscriptions to Hulu and Netflix, and that's probably where I'm wasting all that time where I could be sitting down and reading a novel, getting into a book, studying more, things like that. So so for you, reading is, is recreation. For me, watching television shows and watching the storyline unfold on TV, on camera, is my form of recreation. But Uh, so this is what you've taken up. Now, I'm curious if you have read all of these books then this year alone and thinking about the books you've read in years previous, how many bookshelves must you have in your house? I have almost none now. Uh, when I first got married, I had eight six foot high bookshelves were full. Um, and then, uh, six foot long shelf that was three rows deep so paperbacks in the closet uh but i have actually switched to predominantly digital the books behind you see behind me are the only books that i own and that's because they're not available in a electronic format um i uh mike aquilina said many years ago in one of the books that he read that we can now travel with more books on our phone than they had in the great library of alexandria I have over a thousand books in Kindle. I have about 600 in Kobo and I have about a hundred in Google play. Um, I like having all my books with me all the time. Wow. That is, uh, you know, kind of phenomenal and incredible that, you know, at the digital finger. Now I hear people always talk about the difference between reading a paperback book versus a Kindle book. Like people love the feel of a paper book for me, for example, I do a lot of research, and so I'm. You know, I just wrote a new book that's coming out in April of next year, and I I was almost like you. I was almost reading a book a day. I was trying to find every opportunity. I would go for a walk, and I would be reading a book on my phone as I was walking. So I was multitasking. I was getting exercise in, and I was also doing my research and reading for the book for the chapter that I wanted to write on that specific person, but. A lot of times, I know for myself, I need to have the book because I have a quasi-photographic memory and I can you know, remember what side of the page I'm looking for something on, or I'll do this, um, you know, I'll do a, a, I have a code that I'll write in the margins, for example. Anytime there's a reference to Mary, I put a cross and an M. If it's the Eucharist, a circle with the cross, or, you know, so I have like this reading code, which with an Amazon book, for example, on Kindle, uh, that's not there. Although in my research, I did make all those like bookmarks or clip marks or whatever, and was able to do my research in that way. But what's the difference between reading a paper book and a Kindle book that you find? 
Well, for me, I like the Kindle books because one, I can change the page color and I can change the font and the font color and spacing, which with my dyslexia really helps. Uh, my son has an eye tracking issue and he actually, he prefers physical books, but he uses a, um, an acetate that highlights the line in a specific color. So like Avid's it's over the page, um, he prefers this. My youngest daughter prefers reading electronically. Um, so for me with the ebook, it makes it much easier to read as adaptive technology. Um, in regards to notes, um, I've read uh, In Conversation with God uh, by... Uh, Fernandez, is it? Fernandez, Francis Fernandez uh, from Scepter. There's seven volumes. I've read it about 12 or 13 times now. I first started reading them when they were first coming out in English uh, when, I, when I was a university student in the um, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, I now have the ebook versions and I can highlight a passage. I can add a footnote. I can use a kind of shorthand that you use um, in the ebooks. Also, as I read read it year after year, I've actually now run out of the different colors they have in Kindle. In Kindle, they have five colors for highlighting. So I used a color a year till I ran out of colors. Um, the other thing that you can do with the Kindle is you can actually export those notes. So both everything you've highlighted and any of the footnotes you've added, you can export it and, e and um, it'll email automatically from your device to yourself. Um, oh. Or if you're using Goodreads, you can actually publish those highlighted um, passages and notes on Goodreads. Well, I had no idea that you could export this data because when I was writing this book, I would go through and I was trying to find, and I would use, as you mentioned, those colors, I use different colors. So if it was about Mary, I use blue. And if it was, you know, about a different to topic or biographical, then I use a different color. So that was kind of how I was able to find the quotes and things I wanted to incorporate into uh, my chapter. So you have a lot of books on your Kindle. I'm wondering, do you go to the library? Do you, do you check out books from the library? I know that even some uh, libraries have a digital checkout service. So do you get books through that medium? Um, I do sometimes. My children still enjoy going to the library, less so the last two years. But um, we, the children would go, I'd take all three kids to the library and they would pick the books that they wanted to get and we would bring them home. I do use digital, uh, the digital library libraries um, and uh, an application called Overdrive that allows you to sign out a book from the an ebook from the library and then you have access to it for a certain number of days. Um, and as an alumni from university, I can actually access my university's digital library as well, which gives me resources to a lot more um, Catholic academic books that are realistically out of my price range. And what do you think about audiobooks? So we've talked about Kindle books. We've talked about paper books. I sometimes will listen to the audiobook. And again, writing this book that I was writing, I listened to some, some biographies and such on audio. And that's when I would clip it, listen to the 30-second clip. I'd go back uh, because that's how I was able to kind of continue my research for my writing while I was driving. So a lot of multitasking going on there. But anyways, what do you think about audiobooks? I think if they work for you, they're great. Um, I personally don't use them all. I do use the adaptive technology, which reads a book out loud, uh, but it's a little more mechanical sounding. One of the tricks that I use is I actually use either a, a UK or an Australian voice because my, my brain pays closer attention to it because of the accent than listening to an American or a Canadian voice on the device. Um, so when I, I'm using the adaptive technology, I'm listening to a book. It's not a true audio book. Uh, 
Matthew Kelly this year uh, in a conference I attended stated that he used to always ask people, what books are you reading? And he's now switched to what podcasts are you listening to? Mm. Um, or which audiobooks are you listening to? Because so many people have spread out. So if the audiobook works for you, fantastic. And if you're listening to an audiobook or using the adaptive technology or reading the physical book, um, in my opinion, you're reading a book either way. In your home, in the evening, let's say. So you have your children, you mentioned your wife. Do you all sit around in the living room and read in the evening together? Is that kind of a practice in your household? No, my, my wife is actually not a big reader. And she, when she does read, she typically reads the same things over and over again. Uh, there's certain books that she's read 12, 13, 14 times. Um, my youngest two children still read to me every day. So they read to me for at least 20 minutes out loud every day um, as part of their accountability. Um, and I read some fantastic books with them that way. Um, the younger two do read more. My oldest that's at home um, is 15. She reads when she finds something that her friends really um, are interested in, but she's not as avid a reader, my son will use the adaptive technology and listen to books we've already read, or he will read books that we haven't read yet. Um, and my youngest, but my, my oldest and my wife are not big readers. One of the things in your reading experiences is that you read a lot of religious books and you review a lot of them. So you're kind of on the list that publishers send uh, copies of books to uh, because they want you to read them and post about them and everything like that. So, But there are other genres, of course, outside of spiritual reading and, and books in Catholicism and Christianity. So what are some of your favorite genres uh, of books you've read? Um, well, I... I when I was younger, I loved science fiction and fantasy, and I actually love plays. I love reading plays as well. Um, I don't do a lot of plays. In the last year, I've read, I've, I've gone back and started again because my, my oldest is reading them in high school. So I read Romeo and Juliet when she was reading it last year. I read Macbeth when she was reading it this year. Um, a couple of years ago, I discovered uh, the Jack Reacher books. I, I picked up one for my father for Christmas and read the back and thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I got myself the Kindle book and I read all 43 Reacher novels in a year. Um, I do read just about everything, but my passion lately has been books and booklets from the Catholic Truth Society in England. Um, I've read over 200 of their books in the last four years. Um, and there's a, a collective of authors called Catholic Teen Books. Um, and there's some people that aren't quite in the collective, but um, in the same genre. I do read a lot of Catholic young, young adult books, novels, um, historical fiction, um, science fiction, dystopian, um, there's just some incredible authors in that space that when I read those books, and I often say it in my reviews, I wish there had been books along these lines when I was that age, because some of the choices I made when I was younger would not have been what I had made if I had had those books influencing me. And that's interesting you mentioned that Catholic Writers Collective of the young adult fiction writers. In fact, I know some of those authors, I've interviewed them myself, and uh, you know, Amy Catapan is a good friend. And one of the things I find, though, is that they're not as popular. You know, they're they're not the authors that are getting picked up by mainstream publishers. And so that leaves them really to publish with smaller companies or even to self-publish. So it's a shame that their books aren't more readily known, especially if you're sharing that they make a significant impact in one's life, especially a young person's life. It's true. Like some of the best fiction I've read over the last four or five years is 
contemporary Catholic fiction and not even just young adult stuff like uh, Fiora de Maria from, from England. She's originally from Malta, raised in England. She has some absolutely incredible books. Now, all of her recent books, uh, the, la- mo- the eight most recent are all from Ignatius Press, but her first two were much smaller publishing house or out of print. Um, but her works are fantastic. Um, it, it, it is a pity that some of these authors are not more widely known. Like, um, Karina Turner's I Am Margaret series is absolutely fantastic. Uh, not in the collective, but uh, Roger uh, Thomas from uh, Michigan has written some incredible books. Um, and his are almost prophetic about what we're seeing today. He's got a, a series called The Watchful Sky. Uh, and a lot of the stuff that he wrote about is stuff that we're starting to see happen in the world today. Um, and Karina Turner's, uh, we hope don't become prophetic, but some of the stuff that she wrote about um, years ago is now law in certain European countries around um, elective suicide and um, some other topics. I'm from the state of Wisconsin, so we have another author uh, who lives here, kind of a part of that collective, has contributed short stories, I know, to the Catholic teen genre, Uh, but her name is Amanda Lauer, and she has written this A World That Heaven Intends or something. It's a a series that she's been going on. Have you had a chance to read any of those books? I'm just curious not to put you on the spot. I, I actually just read one last month. Um, it's the first that I read. The one that I read, I think, was actually book two or book three in the series. I didn't realize it when I picked it up. It was on sale and I picked it up. Um, it was absolutely fantastic. And I did really enjoy her contribution to one of the Catholic Teen Books anthologies, which is why I picked up the novel. Interesting. So so that's how you find authors then. You read other people's stuff or you read group stuff. You're introduced to different authors and that's leads you then to say, I want to read more from this person. And I know that's true for me with that. If there's an author I've read, um, there was this one novel I read this past year called the, uh, it was called The Authenticity Project. It was by an author named Claire Poole. I thought it was just a very marvelous presentation that she presented. And so that led me to uh, read another book of hers. Like I said, I want to read another one, see if I like it. Or, you know, sometimes you get invested in these series, just as I watch television shows and I like the shows, you know, sometimes you read a book like The Tattooist of Auschwitz and then you read Kilka's Journey and now they have the book The Three Sisters out there. And so um, you you continue to read then these authors that you've discovered because you really do appreciate them and what they offer you and how they how you can engage with their text. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about anthologies. Like, if you don't know what you really like to read, you haven't read a lot since high school, or you haven't read a lot since university, I'd recommend you find a couple of anthologies. Ask some people, like friends, family, about an anthology, and then get exposed to six or seven or eight authors that you haven't encountered. And if you find one that you like, like, I've there's anthologies that I've read where I've read the anthology because of one author that I knew, and I've gone and read books from every contributor in, in, this, in, the, in the anthology afterwards. Um, they're a great way to get introduced to to authors. Or the other option is um, published short story. There's a lot of the authors that publish short stories, either in anthologies or um, like the Catholic Teen Books authors, they have novels and then they have published short stories. So the anthology comes out two or three years later, they publish just the story that was in the anthology or a variation on that story. And it's a good way to get a feel for an author of whether or not you'd like them. What are your thoughts about secular books 
And I've read some novels again this past year. And some of them, you know, of course, you have the the character that's espousing a life of immorality, you know, maybe engaging in, a, in a, the gay lifestyle or maybe, you know, transgender or something like that. It seems that, you know, just as in television, every show has one of these moral characters that kind of, you know, make you uncomfortable as a believer. Well, what do you make of the secular culture? Would you recommend reading secular books um, because they have a value for us? Or would you recommend sticking with, as you mentioned, some of these Catholic authors? For myself, I used to actually read a lot of secular um, contemporary fiction and a lot of the young adult stuff. And the young adult stuff is four or five times more intense than the adult stuff in regards to... Um, those types of characters. I personally made the decision. I was on retreat a couple of years ago and I became convinced of um, some of the books that I'd reviewed and some of the stuff I used to read. And I removed about 50 reviews from my blog. And um, I have stopped reading several authors because they just, they're constantly pushing that agenda. Um, so for me, I, for the most part, stay away from it. Now, I do have some authors that I like. Like, I've read all Jack Reacher novels. They're not morally great. They're good entertainment. Um, I actually ran into an issue where uh, a mother who reads my reviews on a, a Catholic teen books Facebook group uh, went to my site and was looking through and said, oh, he's read Jack Reacher, didn't read the review and gave it to her 12-year-old son. Well, it was uh, one of the most violent books, and it was the only book where Reacher slept with multiple women in a single book. Um, if she had reached out to me, I would have said, no, this is not a book for a 12-year-old boy. Um, I wouldn't even give it to my 16-year-old my uh, at this point. So um, there is a level of caution there. Uh, it's impossible to read everything your children read, but I think you should research what your children are reading. And from my own perspective, I have really cut back on the amount of secular fiction and secular nonfiction that I read. So we're talking about all of these books you've read, all the different genres. Now, in this next year, and the nice thing on Goodreads, they always say, how many books do you want to read this year? And so I put in a nice little number of 16. I want to read 16 books, which compared to your 350 books, it pales in comparison, right? But how can a person like me, as I look to the next year, say, I want to read more books this year? How would you recommend making that goal a reality? Um, well, part of a goal is that if it's not written down and it's not shared, it's not a goal, it's a wish. Um, if you don't write it down, you don't share it with other people, you don't have someone holding you accountable for it, it really is just a wish. I would like to lose 50 pounds next year. Uh, if I don't, uh, it's really been just a wish. Uh, so in regards to the books, part of it would be maybe having an accountability partner, someone that checks in with you, a spiritual director, um, get a spiritual director to book, recommend a book a month and read that on top of what you're already reading, um, or join a book club. There's several on Facebook and MeWe. Uh, there's a number of Catholic book clubs, uh, or set not just a reading goal, but a reading plan. Like make your list. Try for 50 books that first year, a book a week, not quite a book a week, but aim for 50 books in the year. That's a lot of books. <laughs> so I'm not sure I could do that, but but maybe I could. 
Now, so what steps can we take to reading more? So kind of some of the things you already mentioned. So kind of look at how you're spending your time. So, so if you're wasting time, well, stop wasting time. And I know that you mentioned as we we're doing our little show prep that you had done the Brandon Vote course on how to read more or something like that. This was yeah. literally a course he had and I, I took it and there were simple things he recommended. Like I remember he said, well, you know, have a book always available for you. So we have Kindles so we can have a book available to us. We go to the doctor's office. We're in the waiting room. You're waiting in the car line to pick up your kids. Well, you can pick up a book. You can read a book from your Kindle. So kind of that idle time that maybe we would just be listening to the radio or scrolling social media can be a time that we can read a book. And I know that audiobooks are another way that you can attain uh, reading more. At least you hear it. I, you know, whether or not it counts as reading, that's a good question. But, but that's another way to add it um, to, to your routine by, by your drives into work, your commute. Could you listen 20 minutes to a book or whatever? So, so there are lots of different uh, things that he recommended. Anything else you might add? Um, well, one is, is I would say have a couple of different books on the go. Like I have books that I read when I am alone and no one is around. Because they're, they're intense theological works, uh, it takes far more brain power to read that than to read a Jack Reacher or to read a young adult fiction novel. So have a couple of different books in a couple of different genres on the go at the same time. Um, I have a, a friend who is a Presbyterian minister, and he said that to prepare good sermons, you need to be reading at least five different books a week. Um, so part of it is, is having that variety. So as you mentioned, um, one of the things I do is I have a kind of my fluff book, um, that I'm reading. That's not going to take a lot of brain power. I'm going to enjoy it. It's entertainment mostly that if I'm waiting in the line to get into the grocery store, I'm reading it. If I'm waiting in the line at the checkout at the grocery store, I'm reading it on my phone. If I'm gone to the barn to pick up my daughter from her riding lesson, I'm sitting there reading it. Um, one thing you can do is take a look at where you spend your time. Um, we all have the same number of minutes in the day, same number of minutes in the week. And take a look, even track your time for just a couple of days and see where you're spending your time. How much time are you spending on Facebook? How much time are you spending on Twitter? Um, I personally don't use Snapchat or Instagram, but I do use Facebook, Twitter, and MeWe. Um, but a few years ago, I removed all games from my devices except for one brain training game. And my reading doubled the next year. Hmm. Um, the year after that, I started using the adaptive technology and reading while my, on my commute to work, and my reading doubled a second time. Um, so we all have the time to read. It's whether or not it's a priority for you. One of the things that I often do is, even now um, that my children are over, when I my youngest goes to bed, it's not unusual for me to go upstairs and read until I go to bed. I make the deliberate choice not to be in the room with the TV and not be on my computer. Um, it's one of the few times I do read physical books um, as I try to put one on my bedside table so that I'm reading something that I'm not likely to pick up another time. Uh, an example of that is uh, Donald Calloway's uh, Champions of the Rosary. I bought the physical book. I really wanted to read it. I picked it up a couple of times, just never got into it. The ebook came out. I read it in a weekend. Um, and I gave away my physical copy. Uh, so for me, the ebooks are the way to go. For you, find what works for you. So you're saying it's all right for us to be reading three books at a time or to have four books you're working on. Because I think some people might get overwhelmed by the fact I'm reading three or four books. How am I 
how am I going to keep everything straight? Well, if you think back to when we were in high school or if you went to college or university or even trade school, you had multiple subjects you were learning at a time. You had multiple books on the go. You might be reading a history book. You might be reading an English book. And if you're doing drama, you're reading a couple of plays at the same time. Um, it's something we used to do. It's just something we stopped doing. And, and that goes back to um, how much you read. Reading is really um, a muscle. Your brain is a muscle and reading is a muscle. And um, there, there's pretty solid stats around it that like the average grade three, four student reads between 60 and 80 words a minute. The average high school student reads about 200 words a minute. Um, the average university student reads about 325, grad students about 400. So if you went to university, you were reading about 300 words a minute when you're in university. Right now, you're probably reading between 100 and 200 words a minute because you don't read as much. Um, so the more you read, the more consistent consistently your speed your 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 rate of reading will increase the, the more consistently you do it the second thing is there are some techniques and tips that you can use um i recommend to a lot of people here in canada a book called the cole's notes of speed reading um in the states i believe there's a sparks note equivalent but if you can't find it there's a fantastic book by um a gentleman out of Poland, uh, Mikhail Stowicki, called Learn to Read with Great Speed, How to Change Your Life in 10 Minutes a Day. That's uh, part of a series of books he's written. Um, he read all kinds of different books on speed reading and then synthesized them. And that's kind of what the Coles Notes version does as well. I have lots of friends that have gone back to school, either for a master's or a PhD. Um, and I've recommended this book and it's helped them um, because it, it teaches you different techniques. For example, a lot of people read out loud in their head, like they read to themselves out loud. Well, that cuts your speed in half. You, you stop that and your, your reading will double. Another thing is if you're reading physical books or even eBooks, most people, their eye tracking goes back and forth and they read every word on average five times, making sure that it makes context. But if you, you can actually train your eye to read just across the page, it's kind of like the first or second level of, of speed reading or increasing your reading speed uh, is to get to that point where you're reading each word only once. Um, and it's something that you have to practice. Like when you're working through that, either uh, Mikael's book or the Coles Notes of Speed Reading, like it says, everything you read for this week between lesson one and lesson two, use this technique. Um, so you have to get into the habit of doing it. And those are all helpful tips. And I'm going to try a few of those. And hopefully I'll double my reading in the next year from 16 to 32 books. That'll be our goal, maybe. Uh, I just want to ask a few questions now, maybe about recommendations or maybe your favorite book in different genres. So how about a favorite religious book you've read? That would be hard. I would honestly, um, I was challenged a few years ago to come up with my top 10 Catholic books on my blog. And um, number one is the Bible. And I typically switch which translation I read each year. Uh, number two is the Catechism. I've read it about eight or nine times now. Um but if, if you were to go to a, a number three top, I would probably say Francis Fernandez in conversation with God, that seven volume set that has six pages for each day in the church year, and then two volumes for special feasts and saints days. Okay. How about a favorite secular book? I'm assuming it's going to be a Jack Reacher. You've mentioned him a few times, but maybe not. No, uh, I, I don't know if I can give you a favorite, but I'll give you two. And they're actually both nonfiction. Uh, the, the first one is called How to Think Like a Neanderthal. Uh, it was written by uh, an anthropologist uh, and a sociologist, I believe. Um, and they took a look and examined every 
site where um, caveman remains were found and they built what their life would have looked like. It was an absolutely fascinating read. Uh, the second is a book called Caffeinated, um, How Our Daily Habit Helps and Hinders Us. And it's a history of caffeine uh, written by Murray Carpenter. Interesting. I think I've seen that probably on a table at Barnes and Noble. Now, there are a lot of classics. You know, when I was growing up in school, we read some of those classics, uh, like To Kill a Mockingbird, or uh, I can't think of another one. Uh, but anyways, uh, is there a classic that you would recommend? Well, I just reread To Kill a Mockingbird last month. My um, my 15-year-old was reading it in school, and I hadn't read it probably in about 30 years. Um it was just as impactful reading it 30 years apart um, as it was the first time I read it. So it is a fantastic read. Um, there's a lesser known Catholic author, uh, J.F. Powers. Uh, he only published two novels, both won the National Book Award many years apart, and he, he published both 70 or 80 short stories. Uh, but his novel, The Wheat That Springeth Green, um, I consider it a ca classic in Catholic fiction and particularly Catholic American fiction. A lot of times his short stories will show up in an anthology of best American short fiction. Um, but his book, Wheat That Springeth Green, um, would be one that I'd recommend. Okay. I've never heard of it. So that's one maybe I'll consider picking up. Uh, how about a book someone should read before they die? Well, I'm going to go back and say the Bible. I think every Catholic should read the Bible. And I, I think that every Catholic should be reading the Bible almost continuously, even if you're only reading a couple of passages a day. Um, if we go outside the Bible, I would say either Donald Calloway's Champions of the Rosary or his Consecration to St. Joseph. Really? Wow. Out of all the books ever written, Father Calloway. So these, you know, you would consider them to be... Uh you would consider them to be classics then uh, in that way if you're recommending them so highly. How about out of the 300 plus books you've read this year, one that you think someone should read in the new year? It would be really hard to pick a book from this year. Uh, I do have two lists on my, my site. I'd make a list of everything I read and a list of um, my favorite books. So anything that give five out of five stars. Um, I would say that Overcoming Sinful Thoughts by Father G. Morrow or The Companion, which I did read a couple of years ago, um, Overcoming Anger, Sinful Anger. Um, okay. I would say that those two books would be in my top recommendations. Sure. And, you know, those are great books for the spiritual life. They're kind of helping us overcome sin, choosing virtue, growing in love of neighbor. So uh, a worthy recommendation indeed. You've read all of these books. You've read thousands of books. Have you ever thought about writing a book yourself? I have. And several years ago, I was actually asked by a Catholic publisher to write a book. Um, with my dual form of dyslexia, I was never really taught proper grammar and punctuation. Um, I was passed through school to the point where um, I was passed through school just to get me on to the next grade. So my writing is very intuitive, but it's not very precise like there are times that i post reviews and, and authors in the catholic team books collective are best for this is they'll reach out to me and say hey there's this typo and this typo and this typo uh which i don't pick up on i had a high school teacher say that half of what i wrote was worth publishing and half he could wipe his <clears throat> with and uh my problem is is for the most part i don't know the difference occasionally i write something and i know this is fantastic but that really good 
or that really bad, I, I don't know that difference. There are three books that someone could read, or when I say read, you can listen to in the next year, in 2022, because Father Michael Schmitz has given us the Bible in a Year podcast. So even though it was in 2021, you could now do it in 2022, just go back to day one and start from there, and, and you'll read the Bible in a year. The Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, Father Joe Raish, has been doing a reading of the Diary of Divine Mercy since I think they started on Divine Mercy Sunday last year or sometime around there. And so they're not done yet. They won't be completed by, uh, by the 1st of January. But nonetheless, what you can do is you can go back again to day one and you can start reading the Diary of Divine Mercy. And the third is a four-volume book set. It has 2,600 plus pages in it. And it's called The Mystical City of God by Venerable Maria of Agreda. And I am partnering with Tan Books to read The Mystical City of God. So 2,600 pages. We're going to read that in an entire year. It's about six to seven pages a day uh, in an audio recording. And then I offer a reflection based on the reading of the day. So these are three different ways that podcasts are actually offering us opportunities to read books or to listen to books to allow the content content contained therein to really touch our heart and souls and open our minds to a greater love of God. So so those are just a few recommendations that I have as, as we bring our show to a close. But uh, you've mentioned several times your blog, your reviews, your website. So how can people find all of the books that you're reading and see your reviews? My, well, my blog is bookreviewsandmore.ca, just all typed out. Um, and my reviews are on Goodreads. And people can friend you on Goodreads or they follow you on Goodreads and they can see all of it there as well. Correct. All right. And I'll be sure to put links to both those pages in the show notes for this episode so you can find them. You can follow along with whatever book Stephen McAvoy is going to read in 2022. Hopefully your reading goal, you'll set now and you'll strive and aim to meet that goal with the many tips that were shared today. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you'd like to follow me on social media, I'd encourage you to do so. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at the handle at FR Edward Looney. You can visit my website, edwardlooney.com, to learn more about my books and to acquire them from the publisher. And if you have enjoyed the podcast, please do me a favor and review the podcast. Rate it on Apple Podcasts and write a review because that will help others to find it as well. Until next time, may we remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless. Mm -hmm.